Hello, and welcome to Shape the System, where we find and tell the stories that help people to rethink the way the world works. We interview people from all over the world who are helping to change our systems for the better. Shape the System is an independent podcast with support from KPMG High Growth Ventures, who help ambitious founders and their teams scale up for success. More about KPMG High Growth Ventures after the interview. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Shape the System. Today, we are joined by Simon Doble. I got that wrong. Doble. Doble, I have. <laughs> From Solar Buddy. And I'm gonna, we're just going to dive straight in. Um, Simon, love to know a little bit more about Solar Buddy and you know, what the problem it's solving and really help us to understand the problem space. Sure. So Solar Buddy is uh, an Australian charity. We started in 2016 with the aim to raise awareness about an issue called energy poverty, right. uh, which I have been working in previously to, to start in Solar Buddy. And our aim is to raise awareness globally and have a conversation about energy poverty uh, and how it affects so many people. Sure. And then actually create solutions for engagement to help children uh, that suffer from energy poverty. Okay. And so energy poverty, I'm, I'm sort of connecting the dots, but it's not a term specifically that I've heard of previously. So talk through it. Sure. So there's, there's different scales of energy poverty. Um, we work in extreme energy poverty. It affects approximately one in five people on the planet. Yep. When the sunsets are in complete darkness, right. they have no consistent or reliable source of electricity or energy at all. Right. So they're burning kerosene lanterns inside their homes. Right. They're, they're still setting fires um, to cook with and, and heat and often see inside their homes, yep. which obviously the air pollution is, is, is toxic and very, very bad. Um, so there's, that's that element of energy poverty all the way up to even in uh, indigenous communities mm. in Australia, there's energy poverty where they're still running diesel generators. There's no, no consistent supply of electricity, mains grid electricity. So there's, uh, there's a huge problem. Uh, like I said, one in five people on the planet, approximately a billion, 1.4 billion, depending on, on the stats that you read, right. are, are directly affected by extreme energy poverty. Sure predominantly sub-Saharan Africa, right. remote India, Southeast Asia. Yep. And then so you talked a little bit about some of the, I mean, the challenges. This is extreme energy poverty is happening at night. So there's, it sounds to me like people are trying to solve that problem with solutions that create other problems. Mm-hmm. But in the absence of even having any solution at all, there's a knock-on effect of of this energy poverty. And I guess in a world where we're used to switching on a light and there's energy, you know, that's never even, it's not even a thought that crosses the mind. Um, what happens when people, let's assume that they don't even have access to energy at night at all. What, what's, the, what's the knock-on effect of that? It's huge. So we, in, in solar body and in energy poverty as a, as a whole, we work in four pillars and we identify them as, as, as environmental, economic, a health pillar, and we work in an educational pillar. Sure. So the big knock-on effects are definitely in those four pillars. Environmentally, People that live in energy poverty are consuming kerosene, which produces black car- what we call black carbon, which is right. the worst form of carbon for, right. the, for the environment. Huge impact on the environment. Uh, statistically, they, they generally say that if we took every kerosene lantern out of use, out of operation in sub-Saharan Africa, it would be equivalent of taking every car off the road in Germany. Wow. That's the amount of pollution. It's from these very small but, but 
and a huge number of yeah, right. kerosene lanterns. <clears throat> and then you've got the deforestation effect as well. Mm-hmm. People walking tens of kilometers to get the, the firewood and, and what have you to um, to cut down trees. So just to, let me understand, these kerosene lamps, don't they have kerosene in them? They've got some other they, fuel in them. No, no, they, they, they use kerosene, which right. is a byproduct of oil. Um, and it's very, very toxic. Right. I've lived in homes that, that are powered, illuminated by these kerosene lanterns all over the world. Right. And, you know, within a few minutes, your your eyes are running, your nose is running, you're coughing. It's it's god-awful. Right. Yet the families that I'm li- I was living with were not affected in the slightest. They're just, they're just they're used just, to it. It's just the way it is. So it has a huge impact on the environment. Um, economically, yep. families that live in, any, in extreme energy poverty, they spend between 25 and 40% of their very, very low income right. on on energy needs, right. which is to cook or see and, and heat their homes. Yep. Um, 40%? So for up to 40%, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and if you just let's quantify that for people, so average income on a daily basis is X. Sub to US dollars. And, and 40% of that is going to enabling them to see at night. Yeah. Okay. To pay their electricity bill, sure. basically. Yeah, and which in their case is paying for firewood or paying for the kerosene. Exactly. Right. Yeah, or charcoal or right. batteries for torches, Got that it. sort of stuff. Um, so imagine I, when I talk when I talk on stage, I, I use the analogy of you know mortgages and car payments and quite possibly your 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 credit card bills each month. Right. You know that's the sort of level of, of expense that these these families are spending every day. On, yeah, average on, mortgage forty percent of someone's income, or probably maybe in Sydney forty percent, but exactly typically thirty percent. Yeah, that's an ungodly number. Yeah, so imagine <laughs> paying that to NHX every. Yeah. So that's the that's the example. Sure, sure, and so that's the economic pillar, and then there's these two other pillars. Yeah, so the health pillar, um, energy poverty kills more women and children than AIDS and malaria combined every single year. Just from the air that they're breathing inside really? their homes. Yeah. Wow. Predominantly women and children because they're in the homes yeah, longer. Right. They're cooking. They're you know they're doing what children do. And what what are the what are the conditions that this is a this is a lung related condition? Or yeah, yeah, lung related. lung related and burns. Right. Really. So, yeah. The average the average woman that lives in energy poverty in sub-Saharan Africa has the lungs of a forty a day cigarette smoker, but generally never smoke a cigarette in their life. Right. Just from the air that they're breathing, right. just by doing their daily chores and activities. Yeah, and then I'm guessing the burns related thing is because you're using flame related things in houses that are probably flammable. Exactly. They they get tipped over, someone gets a burn, yeah. it gets infected, it spreads. Amazing. I mean terrible. Um, and then the, the fourth pillar is education. Right. So we, we, we're focused as, as an organization, Solar Buddy is an organization focused on creating safe environments for children to study. Right. So we, we identified that there's these three other pillars, which are huge and, you know, need addressing in, but also children need to study in a safe environment right. once they get home from school. Right. We're building financing in as globe better educational structures and schools and what have you, but the children are still going home to an environment right. to do their homework in right, and right. to live in an environment that's highly toxic. Right. And I've seen this many, many times. We, you know, everybody from my industry has seen this millions of times all over the world where children are so engaged in, in studying and knowing that that's the way, the pathway out of poverty. Right. And they study for hours and hours around a kerosene lantern. It's ultimately killing them. Right, right. And so the just sort of segueing from there to how solar buddy is playing a role you talked before about awareness i want to come back to that but you in terms of a solution to this energy poverty problem talk me through the the solar buddy solution sure so we um i i i worked for i was a sort of 
business consultant with the United Nations for a little period, period of time in the early 2010s. And I got exposed to, to this as a global issue. But whenever I would talk about solar, when I would talk about energy poverty to anybody outside the humanitarian sort of industry, um, no one had any concept or understanding or appreciation of the scale of what energy poverty actually was and is. Um, So Solar Buddy came around through this frustration ultimately, but also being very clearly aware that children need to study in a safe environment that isn't highly toxic and allow them to study longer and feel better about themselves. you have a young child right. and when that child is a little bit older yeah. i'm sure they'll be reading at a desk uh, when they turn on a lamp to, uh, a lamp and right. buy electricity and be able to study in a happy environment that's what we're trying to create for children all over the world but solar buddy's model is to raise awareness mm-hmm. so we developed a school program ultimately my dream was to engage with six million children yep. around australia america etc to understand the problem make a little solar light as part of their science and technology classes. Um, we call them STEM, science, right. technology, engineering, and maths. Yep. Yep. And, um, and then donate that directly to another child of the same age. Oh, so, wow. Okay. So this isn't about you going and finding money to manufacture a product and then shipping that product. It's actually about enabling people who have access to energy and I guess aren't in energy poverty uh, to, to physically engage with building a device which is you know, a pre-assembled set of parts, I'm assuming? Yeah, or... yeah it's like a little kit. Yeah. Okay, and then, you know, the, the, the I mean, I'm coming from a, a period where I used to have Meccano or exactly. you know, Lego yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and saying, okay, you're going to build this thing and then there's a person literally you're going to send this to. And is that connectivity created as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So they write little letters with every single light. Every this... single participant that makes a solar body light writes a letter of inspiration to that child and then it gets translated when that light is handed over to, to that child. So... Yeah, you've, I mean, this is this is sort of uh, at the at the root of the problem. Actually, creating someone not just awareness. I think I think the empathy might even be that absolutely the, yeah. the right word here is that these these children. Well, typically, how old are these these kids who are making the things? And any any age from five to fifteen. Yeah, generally. right. Yeah. And so, like, I'm trying to now. My, my question typically is, I understand the solution, but now I understand the challenges, and it's my instantly thinking, I've got this full of challenges. <laughs> Break down some of the two or three kind of big challenges in just in the logistics of even making this happen the logistics is actually the biggest challenge <laughs> right. that we have right. in our industry we have something called last mile distribution right. so um it's very it's very easy to get uh, a parcel from here here in sydney to brisbane uh there's you know standardized supply chains etc right it's, it's almost quite easy to get something from sydney to mombasa or sydney to dar salaam in tanzania right the last mile distribution is from from that ports or capital city in Africa or somewhere else in the world to the last mile to that remote village where there's extreme energy poverty and that's and they're the children that we're trying to reach so that was our biggest challenge and it still is we work uh, we work closely with some major freight companies multinational freight companies but they still don't have the reach to get into that last mile um, which can be 500 miles sure yeah the last metaphorical mile exactly um so that's our biggest problem and it's always right. been our biggest problem um but we're overcoming that with big with good partners and good ngos that, that really know the lay of the land and the countries that we we donate to right and uh and a lot of amazing volunteers and, and support network that that pick up our lights and, and physically take them themselves and it's a like not to go into problem solving mode but sometimes where i go the um uh, the, the role is obviously distribution partners who get it to, you know, the port, as mm-hmm. you said. The NGOs, I'm assuming that there's people on the ground who are also trying to 
to to reach the schools or are running the schools and um, are they playing a role in this? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Sustainable Development Goals. Yep. A key one for us is is number 17, Sustainable yep. Development Goal for Partnerships for the Goals. Right. We believe in, in partnerships in every facet of, of our organisation, in the NGOs that have a very strong footprint in the countries that they specialise in. So yeah. As an example, we work with an amazing organization, Papua New Guinea. They've been operational in Papua New Guinea for 13, 14 years. Yeah. Know the lay of the land, know the culture, know the need, um, know, to run a, know how to run an amazing program, have a focus on education sure. in girls and empowerment. So we partner with them. We, we do what we're really good at. We raise awareness. We create programs. We create Build engagements. Devices. We, design, we design the products right. um, and the solutions. And our partners distribute them to the children and, and, and do that side of it. So it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic partnership. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an amazing model. I guess we sometimes overlook that a very, relatively speaking from a technical perspective, simple solution in terms of the, the device. And I want you to explain device mm. a little bit to me in a second. You, you typically would think, as, as I did, oh, you're going to have to build all these things centrally and then, and then ship them out and then try to make a commercial model that works. Mm. Totally misunderstanding that there's a group of people who would probably love to build them. Exactly. And and understand the impact that those are having, and the, the physical device itself is simple enough that, as you said, a five five year old or someone in year five, uh, five years old, five year old yeah, can, yeah. can build it, which Absolutely. is amazing. So let's let's talk a little bit about the device. So ultimately, the solar buddy is the person building the light. You you, you become buddies with your, your the person that's going the child that's going to receive the light. That was the essence, the the, the idea and in the name, the actual light. Uh, you've seen online and you see on our on our website is we call that a junior buddy right because it's for junior age children okay generally children under the age of 12 will receive that light next year or later this year we're launching a bigger product which is called student buddy right which are for teenage children that, that are it's a bigger light or? a bigger light charges mobile phones lot last longer right. so more complex to build and, and right. that sort of thing and built by someone Older, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, high school, okay. high school program. So yeah. still, still based around STEM, but yeah. a lot more, um, a lot more technical, a lot more uh, um, design element of, of understanding why it's being designed like it has and, sure. and how it operates. So a little bit more technical for the older kids to understand a little bit more. Sure. It will still be a corporate program as well, but that's that's in the future. As in, like a, a company would say, "Hey, we're going to get our employees to build some of these." Absolutely. Yeah. yeah right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they said. You wouldn't limit it to just kids doing it. No, no, no. We we have a huge corporate program already. Been, right. Okay. Been, uh, been grown every every week for the last. Uh, adults are kids too. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's right. That was my idea, right? So basically, the the little solar, the little junior buddy light that, that we that we call, um, it's being designed for children under you know under the age of twelve. Yeah. And it's very intuitive for them to pick up and, and use and, and understand how how it will benefit them. It's, it's got a humanized design. It's got little eyes and, and arms and, and right. little feet. So it's so it's uh, something they can clearly understand. Most of these children that receive one of these lights have, have never seen anything like it before. Right. So it's like it's land, literally landed from another planet. Right. So we had to make it so intuitive for a child's mind to sort of integrate. To be able to use or to be able to build or both? Uh, both, right. both. So the children here um, in, in Australia, they would have a... Uh, they, they have like a day education program right. where the teachers, we, we provide teacher uh, tutorial resources. Mm-hmm. Teachers learn about the SDGs and energy poverty and global citizenship and empathy and all these different things, which they know anyway. Right. We're just giving them tools the around the solar body model. Sure. And then the children fundraise. Yep. Fundraise per line. Each child fundraises 
um, whatever the cost of the light is. And, uh, and then we send the lights as kits to the, to the classrooms right. all across Australia. Got it. Got it. And, and then yep. through the, through the program, they, they learn, they learn about how, how renewable energy works. They learn about different forms of energy. They, they learn about different elements of poverty and why there is poverty and right. different things like that. And then at the end of the day, they actually assemble the light. Got it. So they open the light up. It's, it looks like it's complete when they, when they receive it on their desk, but it's actually in bits inside. Right. Uh, that's, a, that's a way of us being able to repackage them very easily. Sure. They open it up and it's in lots of little bits and they, they, they put it all together like a, like a Meccano set. Yeah. And, you know, I love Meccano as a child. <laughs> I love Lego as a child. Is Meccano um, still around, by the way? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I'm I not sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I sort of, I, I try and look at problems quite often through a child's lens. Right. Um, because I feel that you can, you can come in at, at a solution based sort of environment without that risk and that fear. When, mm-hmm. when, when you're an adult, you're, you're ingrained to see risk and fear and, yeah. and, and trepidation. And, and- Exactly, you know. All the reasons you can't. Yeah, you remember the cuts and the bruises. And <laughs> as a child, you don't. And, yeah. you know, quite often if I've looked at a problem, I've gone, well, how, how would a child try and solve this? Right. And, that's, that's... and then on the usage side of it, so, and for anyone who's listening, you know, there'll be links in the, in the post so you can go and actually check out the device. But this is a, a device about as big as a kind of a, not even a small dinner plate. Um, yeah. Would you like me to grab you one? Yeah, grab one. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I believe there's one over there too, well, so. We're going to uh, explain this orally, which will be awesome. <laughs> awesome. So here we have a little junior buddy light. It's uh, yeah, it's hundred mil by hundred mil, roughly. Yep. Um, on the back is a little solar panel, less than one watt solar panel. Okay. And that charges the battery for. Um, it takes eight hours to charge the battery fully up. Right. Inside is the battery. Yep. And then you turn it on, and the light will work for sixteen hours. Got it. Okay. Um, there's four little holes around the, the lights. Yeah. Uh, there's three main reasons for that. Uh, I'd be interested if you could guess one or two of them. Well, I'm guessing one is so you can affix it to something. Yep. Right? So that would be one reason. Uh, another would be related to maybe drainage of water if it gets wet. No. No. <laughs> so the, the, there's three main reasons. One is that fixing it to the ceiling yep. to get a downlight action. Yep. Um, so we can get more children under one light reading, yeah. reading books, which is which is important. Most of the homes, almost every single one of the homes that we we uh, we donate these lights to, are very very basic. So mm-hmm. you know, there's there's um, sticks and twigs and open rafters right. and you know timber and what have you. So they very easily hang these from, from two pieces of string. string yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of almost all the children that receive one of these walk uh, between ten and fifteen kilometers. To get to school and back right. every day, right. um, all yeah. across all across the world. That's like two hours. Yes, each way. Yes. Gosh. Okay. Every. Sounds like they're using this light to also get home. At night yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So we designed it so they hang them off their back, hang right. them on their backs as they walk to school, which is a perfect place to charge them. Got it. And then quite often the schools that they have are very obviously very basic. Yeah. No no electricity themselves. Right. If there's a dust storm or, or whatever, a problem with the weather, they shut the big shutters, mm-hmm. and then those those classrooms are quite dark themselves. Right. So they often use them during the day um, at school. It's also a very sneaky way for us to make sure there's no issues within the village or, or, or the family or the school, so we know if, you know, suddenly 
a group of children are turning up without their lights, then then we can flag the chip. The school can flag that quite quickly right, and, and, and deal with them. misusing the light or yeah. it's going somewhere else. So they've taken stolen, it, stolen it, taken down to the market. Hold on, I'm still trying to work out the three reasons for the holes. Okay. So one's for the backpack, one's, one's for the roof. Yeah, and the other one is to hang around their necks at night when they uh, when they do walk around the village or, or go go to the latrines yeah. primarily. Yeah, um, we encourage a lot of the children. You know, previously to having one of these, they would carry a kerosene lantern or a, so- a torch right. and, and not feel so comfortable about putting that on the ground when they need to go to the, the, yep. the laboratory. Right. Um, so by ha- hanging this around their necks, they got both their hands free, which gives them an added benefit security, but also encourages them to wash their hands, right. uh, which is hugely important in, in a lot of the, the, the communities that we work with. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and just just to sort of continue the, the explanation here, so it's a it's a, rec- a square device. It's about it's, it's instead of 100 mil, 100 mil, it's probably about an inch thick, uh, and it's got these four holes through it which enable it to be hung for the variety of reasons just mentioned. Uh, and then the, the lights themselves, I'm guessing, are like little LEDs. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, light emitting diodes. Yeah. Light emitting diodes, yep, and those are arranged in like a circular pattern that means that you've got, I'm guessing, a widespread of light. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and, and there's two brightness settings. Um, right. I, I don't know this one. Not yeah. It won't actually work in daylight. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't want the children to accidentally leave it on. Use them during the day. So I've covered up the solar panel now. It's mimicking oh, nighttime. Interesting. And that, and that works. So there's two brightness settings. That's that's middle. Yeah. And that's high. Yeah. Um, so one is for the, the highest for moving around the village. Yep. The lower one is for, for reading. Light rooms. reading. And then there's this protective cover around the outside of it for water dust. Yeah. That's that's. A number of reasons. One is for ingress protection, so yeah. water, dust, etc. Um, two is is where the eyes and the arms and the feet are. So oh, the children, yep. the children <laughs> can see that and they love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, it's an easy way for us to to color code and brand the lights from um, a, from a corporate, corporate perspective. Yeah. So we we've worked with uh, I probably. I lose count, but easily over 200 major multinational companies around the world in yep. the last two or three years. And they really like the idea of, of branding their own lights right. and color coding the bumper. So they get a really strong visual interpretation of, of yeah, the yeah, impact yeah. that we create. Yep. And and that's how we have strategically, I'll be perfectly honest yeah. with you, managed to scale our program without spending any money on advertising or marketing. Right, or, or having, production of the device. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or major, major fundraising sort of programs because we engage with, we engage with corporates. Right. They then visually see their brand in, in an environment that's having a huge impact on right. children's lives and they tell our story. Right, which and is great. And it works. Right, and, and that's part of the awareness thing as well, I'm guessing. Exactly, yeah. So them taking that story out and being so proud of having built the thing or in, enabled the thing to, to, to go into the certain area. Yeah. And you talked before about, well, I sort of raised it as a question, the, the idea that the, let's say take the child who's built one of these and send it to a particular village or a particular child that in, in a village mm. what's the connectivity there is it just hey this is the person who got it or is there something that no 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 beyond so that? so as a as a let's let's pick joe smith he's a 10 year old child studying here in sydney yep. and uh he's gone to school and, is, and today he's doing the solar buddy program right and his teacher teaches him about um energy poverty and energy generally uh, how how his energy is supplied to his house and his parents' house, and how energy is supplied to another child's house somewhere in in the middle of Papua New Guinea, sure. which is only three point six kilometres away from from the most you know closest point of the countries. Um, 
So he will learn about all of this and then he will make this, this slide over a course of 20, 30, 40 minutes. Yep. Make it work for the first time. Right. Generally, he's the QA. Sorry. Is he the QA or is there some? No, no, no. There's, 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 there's QC, um, post this. Yep. Um, but I'll go into that. <laughs> so he, he's, he's learned, he's understood, right. he's, he's had a visual interpretation through videos and whatever you about how, how a lot of children's live in the world and a lot of children live in the world that, that probably hasn't been exposed to before, sure. uh, which has a huge impact on, you know, a lot of these children in, in feeling, um, like they can be able to do something once they make one of these lines. So they make it, generally the teachers would then black out the rooms right. and they would sit and read some books, right. um, maybe one page each as they go around the class and under one of these lights right. to sort of really try and comprehend how it would feel to to have this as your only source of safe lighting. Right. Um, and then after that, they take a, we, each light has a, has a template letter wrapped mm -hmm. around it. On the back is the instructions on how to put it together. And then the other side is, is the template for the letter. Yep. Um, and then the child takes, you know, however long they, they, they would like to take 10 minutes, half an hour, just to write a beautiful little letter of inspiration to their new solar buddy. Right. And, right. um, that's, that's the initial start of the connectivity. Yep. That letter is then wrapped around the light that that child actually made themselves. Yeah. So it's a personal gift from from Joe Smith. Yeah. Um, they're then as as a classroom, they repackage the lights into into our our buckets, mm -hmm. and then ship directly to the school that will receive those lights. Hand it out to the child. Yeah. That child then um, receives a light, reads the letter. Often, you know, needed to be translated by our NGO partners and yeah. translate the letters. Yeah. And then uh, we take photos and, and images of, and quite often videos um, of the children receiving them and saying thank you and all that, and bring them back to the school that, that um, has made the lights yeah. in the first place. Awesome. And and do you? I imagine if I was, I'm trying to imagine my ten ten year old version of myself, if mm. I've done this once, I would probably want to do more than one of them. Oh, yeah, that's Does that idea. happen? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we have repeat schools. Um, so we have lots of different programs without jumping around. But um, so our education program has has tutorials from grade one to grade twelve, sure. and we have schools all over the country and all over the world. We, we currently have a program um, and being uh, carried out right now in nineteen countries with a with a, a an international school. Pro, um, company that ha has schools in 19 countries. Sure. Um, but we have repeat schools in Australia. They mm -hmm. do, they do our program every year, um, quite often more than once a year. Right. Um, but yeah, generally most children that, that make this, they want to, they want to make a lot more. So yeah. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love, I love the kind of, in some respects, the, the role reversal that's happening here, which is, which is. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I used to love making things as a child. I still love making right. things as, as a 45-year-old guy. <laughs> but um, I, I, I really think if you can make something that has a huge impact on another person's life, then it's worthwhile making something, Absolutely. right? And, you know, you make Play-Doh and you break it down, you make Lego, you break it down, you start again, and creativity around that is fantastic and yeah. what it teaches you to how to be creative. But then to actually apply that creativity to something that can be given as a life-changing device. Okay. I feel has a huge amount of value. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the intrinsic value and then they're kind of, you know, the being saying the impact of that, yeah, that thing. Yeah. I want to ask one more question about solar buddy and then I want to understand a little bit more about how you arrived here. Talked about a number of 6 million. Mm -hmm. Where did that number come from? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so I have three children myself. Okay. Uh, they're a little bit older than yours. Yep. Um, they're, uh, 
well, they're 18, 15, and 13 now. Have they all made a solo buddy, by the way? Uh, no, they haven't. Oh, no. come on. <laughs> um, well, that, that's, part of the, that's part of the thing. So um, I'm, I'm a divorced dad, and, yeah. and I don't see my children very often, very sadly. Yeah. Um, very sadly. So uh, when I started Solar Buddy, um, my aim was to illuminate six million children's lives in honor of my children. So two million, two each. million children for each of, each one of my children. That, that was the initial goal. I love, I love that tenuous but awesome connection to, yeah, the, to that number. Because yeah, yeah. that was the first thing I looked at. I'm like, I'm not sure where that number's coming from. I'm sure there's a story. Well, there. Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot deeper story around that, but we won't go we, into it. Sure, but, um, sure. But um, ultimately that was... I was put on the spot. Right. I, was, I was ultimately put on the spot. How many lights are we going to deliver? And, and I was, that was the, the most tangible thing. I feel like six it. million is a is like a stepping stone to just. We're, we're reviewing that number. Currently. All of all of the people, you yeah. know. Like I mean, obviously, yeah. the thing I like about what you're doing is that there is a, a kind of a. I mean, I like the, the, the co-creation element. Of it. I think it's amazing, but also this idea that you talk about these four pillars, um, and you're focused on the education pillar. But obviously, this is a solution that lifts all boats you mm-hmm. know if this will affect all four of those outcomes Absolutely. um from your perspective i'm assuming there's a a way that you measure the impact in terms of hours that these children can can study without the things you, you'll ultimately get line of sight to these other Absolutely. impacts as well which is yeah, are yeah. you tracking those at the moment absolutely yeah so um it's it's very hard to do that right. and you can get lost in what we call monitoring and evaluation sure our product and our solution is so tangible. The impact is so obvious. Right. You know, we're getting lights and chip directly into children's hands. It's all documented. Yeah. Um, we know we're having an impact. Right. Uh, monitoring that impact on, on how they used, how often they used, et cetera, et cetera. We rely on our NGO partners to, to do, we provide the lights to, to our partners. Our partners provide the information back to us and indications are 78% increase in study hours. Uh, we're starting to build a, uh, an evaluation program now around in, uh, indoor air quality, how right. we're improving that, money saved, yeah. um, and lots of other elements to, to what we do. But we already know children are studying longer, happier. I have um, contact with principals and teachers all over the world on a regular, very regular basis, feeding back to us the life-changing experiences these children are having, just being able to study safely at night. Whole schools are passing their, their grade exams. You're right. Um, we, we have amazing stories that I could tell a hundred or so. Uh, we'll, we'll link out to some of them. I sure. think um, uh, it's one, it reminds me of a wedding I went to once where they talked about Sicilian accounting is when you still have the shirt on your back. You don't need to get too fussed about the, you know, the numbers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think there's an element of that here. Um, yeah. I also think uh, the, like the complexity of the device is, 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 it's beautifully simple and, you know, people will see that in the links, but is over time the things that you need to do, the monitoring will be able to be built into the device anyway. Exactly. You know, how often it gets used, the air quality before and after, you know, I think yeah. you ultimately will solve those problems in the teenage version, I'm guessing. How do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been inside my mind? Well, so, uh, product late. So, um, so let's come back a step. So how did you, how did you arrive here, the solar, how did you land in solar buddy? And when, when was, you set it up a few years ago? 2016. Okay. And like, tell me about the backstory, the arc of the story that got you to solar buddy. Sure. Um, so I read an article, uh, I was, I was going through my divorce, etc., and um, I read an article in Time magazine uh, that, that had a headline that said, Energy Poverty, the World's Worst Form of Poverty. Right. This was in October 2011, and um, it literally stopped me in my tracks. Uh, it explained this global issue of energy poverty, over a billion people living in darkness, um, 
the amount of people dying from it, etc. But to me, it felt like it was solvable. Right. It, it didn't feel like this awful, awful, complex thing that, that just was going to go on forever. I, I felt this was something that there's technology out there, there's mm-hmm. the ability to solve something like this. But it resonated with me deeply mm-hmm. um, on a number of levels, emotionally, but also innovatively. And I, at that moment in my life, I was in a dark place myself. So the metaphorical right. um, image of darkness and affecting so many people was, was you know, like I said, resonated with me. Sure. So anyway, I read this article and it, and it, and it had a massive impact on me. Um, I then sort of took another step and another step and, and understood a little bit more about the, the, the overarching sort of energy poverty issues, not just not just in the general community, but in, in refugee camps and different different environments around the world. And that took me on a journey. And eventually I found myself inventing a solution for illuminating refugee tents and right. refugee camps. Right. And uh, I took that solution to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. And in you Geneva. were working there at the time? Or no, no, no. I had, I had absolutely no no yeah, just turned up. Them. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So there's a story in that. Is there a um, door that you knock on? I'm trying to understand how you actually rock up at the United Well, Nations. apparently there isn't, but I found it, um, <laughs> which is which is quite funny. I, the amazing people around me you yeah. know, helping me do what I needed to do. But I, I, I guess deep down I, I had a strong purpose and a drive. I had a had a very fantastic invention that I thought was fantastic. Turns out they thought it was fantastic as well. Perfect. Um, and I was totally naive to the fact that there was this long-winded um, process that you had to go through to, to get a product or a solution or a model in front of major decision makers within the United Nations. Right. So you had to go to these trade shows and you had to do this and you had to do that. And it exactly. I had no knowledge of that. Right. I just I just got on a plane. And went Why to is that the people. pathway in, by the way? I think it's just the, the, the filter. Or yeah, it's just the way it is. Okay. Um, there's 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 huge trade shows in all over the world in New York and Brussels right. and Budapest, Dubai, where people go in and try and like any other industry, they 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 have a solution or they have have products that they want to sell to the humanitarian industry and, right. and it's big industry. Um, I had no knowledge of that. I just thought I have an idea that people should see, and the decision makers are in Geneva, so I'll go and see them and right. tell them. And that's ultimately what happened, and and they liked my innovation. Was the innovation at the time just the physical device, or also the mechanism for building them and, and uh, getting no, them? No, it was so. Imagine you've you've all seen the refugee camps on on news, yep. rows and rows and rows of tents, yep. in, in 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 not just. Um, famine situations but civil war situations etc um and basically i designed those those humanitarian tents are held up by three tent poles right in the hot the tent poles are hollow uh so i used the my understanding of of house construction is basically the hollow tent poles like the cavity of a wall right when you build your house you put wires and piping down in between the cavity of the walls to give you your your taps and your electricity i took that hollow element of the tent pole in as is that version and incorporated led lighting and batteries inside that hollow tent pole and uh, laser cut some windows in it and tested the structural integrity so it didn't didn't, didn't break didn't break under, under strain yeah. and lo and behold that it created a, a solution that was integrated lighting in a, it's a better a, tent pole basically it's an illuminated tent pole yeah awesome yeah so um <laughs> Unbeknown to me, that had never been done before. Um, so, yeah, I patented that idea and um, and then took that to, to the UN and they liked it very much. So. And then how did that, like, 
how did that arrive? How did that get you to Solar Buddy, though? So that took me on a, on a journey of exposure to the humanitarian world, uh, refugee camps, um, what it's like to live in energy poverty outside of the camps, um, having conversations with decision makers and, and, um, and just being on that whole humanitarian innovation journey um, over a number of years between sort of 2012, 2015. And what I got frustrated with, as I mentioned earlier, was the lack of outside of the industry, the lack of conversation around energy poverty. Right. Everyone was talking about HIV, AIDS, and rightly so. Everyone was talking about water poverty. Right. Um, and food security. Food insecurity, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. No one was talking about energy poverty. Right. But the energy poverty needs, are, 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 you know, the, the, the outcomes of energy poverty are, are, are greater than all the others combined as far yeah. as I'm concerned because if you manage those needs, then they're, yeah, they're, you can, they're an enabler for the other one. Right? Exactly, right? Yeah. So, um, so I just got really annoyed with the fact that outside of our industry, hardly anyone was really engaging with schools, school children, corporates, communities about this global issue and, and how we could all come together and try and solve it. Sure. So over... A period of time, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm watching, I'm learning, I'm engaging, I'm listening to different people, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking we've got to do bigger and better things than this, and, and um, ultimately came down to engagement, awareness, and impact, yep. and that's the work of Solar Buddies. So. And then when you knew, like, because your background prior to the Illuminator 10 poll of Solar Buddy was was in humanitarian? Was, was it- no, no, not at all. What, what was the what was the Background, like, did you jump out of? How did you land in this kind of <laughs> field at all? Like, was it a um, an itch or whatever? So, I, I was just living on the Sunshine Coast in in, in Queensland, Australia. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, very, very Surfing. nice. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. My all my children are surfers, but but I'm certainly not. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, just living there, and, and I was happily married and what have you. But then this particular right. issue happened, and. Um, and I, I just needed to change of direction and, and I needed to find a purpose and I needed to find a focus that, that was beyond me and, right. and, um, and gave me a purpose in life. It's, and then just a bunch of things lined up by the sound of it. Well, not lined up, but, you know, the, you know, you take a viewpoint into the universe and the world presents itself differently. Exactly. And you get to look at the world differently. Exactly. And, and you choose what you yeah, want to yeah. do with those pieces. Yeah, I, I was broken and I need to put myself back together again and I thought, well, if I can do that for... Sounds like a people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, just sort of to, to wrap up, I think... Um, I'm I'm interested. Like you've you've touched on a bunch of things, and you talk about the four pillars, and obviously you're focused on 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 energy poverty, but are in touch with a lot of other kind of uh, people doing great work. When you think about the related adjacent kind of issues, or just more broadly, like what are the things that you're kind of maybe not focused on or doing, but excited by and like interested in? Oh, um, gender equality. Um, I, I, I just cannot wait until the day where the world accepts that women and men are equal right. in every facet. Right. No one, no one is better than the other. Um, religious equality. Mm-hmm. Um, define religious equality? No religion, no particular religion. Right, right, right to than faith of choose faith or it, not. Or exactly. How we exactly. Okay. And, um, in, I'm hugely passionate about immigration and, and equal rights and immigration. And equal, opportunity. And equal opportunity. And then do you, are you, is there some, some people, some companies that you admire who you think are just like doing great work in those kind of spaces? Oh, there's, there's so many, <laughs> so many. Um, but just you, to come. So, I, you know, on, on name check yesterday, it was, a, it was an amazing experience yesterday for me. Um, Solar Buddy was charity partner for Salesforce yep. World Tour. I got to meet Billie Jean King who to me is an idol around gender equality and pay equality. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, 
there's a book called Drawdown, which is um, an amazing book. I recommend everyone read it. And it's and it's the top 100 things on how to reverse climate change, not stop climate change, but reverse climate change. Right. And number six in that is, is educating girls out of poverty, right. which I'm hugely Link focused directly, on. Yeah. And um, but listening to Billy G. King yesterday, it's a Salesforce bringing amazing people together to have that conversation was, was really inspirational for me. Yeah. But we work with so many companies around the world that have um, a huge alignment with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. It's a narrative that they're building their, their businesses around, which which we are very grateful for. Yeah, there's 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 so many, but I, I, I don't <laughs> want to leave anybody out. So yeah, no, no, rather than start down the road. <laughs> Probably closing question that I, I tend to ask is. I find that people who are purposeful, and you sort of talked a bit about, you know, the backstory and the darkness, there's so much to be done. There's a need to, to stay on level and stay sane. You don't surf, but what's, what's the outlet for you? Like what is the counterweight, counterweight to being so focused on this problem and this, this thing that you're doing? Uh, blimey. What do you do to stay sane? <laughs> um, I see the smiles on the children's faces yeah. and I give them a light. That's, that's magical. Yeah. And that's, that's the most... Um, amazing experience anyone could ever wish for and that's what that's what I focus on outside of solar buddy there's only innovation and more ideas for solar buddy <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you no that's so, great and you've got a unfortunately I think you know you've enumerated 1.4 billion your initial target of 6 million I think you've got plenty of life work to do <laughs> yeah yeah now we're um we're super focused I have an amazing team that's so passionate and focused and, and purposeful yeah. on what we do and we're growing, and our job is to to create more awareness, more engagement, and, and more illumination for children to have a better better opportunity to to be sat where we are and having this conversation, hopefully in the future. So love that, that's our dream. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Simon. It was um, an absolute pleasure talking to you and learning more about Solar Buddy. And um, yeah, can't wait to, to to check it out myself. Awesome. Thanks thank so much for having me. It's been great. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shape the System. As usual, if you'd like to suggest a guest, someone that you know who's helped change the system for the better, please go to www.shapethesystem.org, click on the top right-hand corner, then click Suggest Guest. Make sure that you click Subscribe so that you get the new episode. Shape the System is an independent podcast with support from KPMG High Growth Ventures. Connects founders to the services they need along their journey. Whether you are looking to refine your strategy, mature your finance function, prepare for a capital raise, expand abroad, or simply comply with regulatory requirements, they provide you with the support you need to drive your business forward.